0: The scripture reading this morning will be taken from Genesis chapter 2, 18 through 24. It is the story of the first woman. It is the story of the first original family. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is right for him. From the ground, God formed every wild animal and every bird in the sky. And he brought them to the man so the man could name them. Whatever the man called each living thing, that became its name. The man gave names to all the tame animals to the birds of the sky, and to the wild animals. But Adam did not find a helper that was right for him. So the Lord caused the man to sleep very deeply. And while he was asleep, God removed one of the man's ribs. Then God closed up the man's skin at the place where he had taken the rib. The Lord God used the rib from the man to make a woman. And then he brought the woman to the man. And the man said, Now this is someone who is bones of my bones and came from my body. Whose body it came from, I will call her woman because she was taken out of man. So a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one body.
1: Thank you, Bill. Good morning, church. It's great to see each and every one of you here this morning. I know a lot are... Uh, traveling, uh, going on vacations and things like that. But we are glad that each and every one of you are here. Uh, Let me say before we get started that uh, if you'll hold your place in Genesis chapter 3, if you want to put a marker, we'll also be looking in Ephesians chapter 5. So we'll go back and forth between those two passages of Scripture. I also hope that you've had the opportunity to pick up a bulletin. There are a lot of things going on. We are uh, entering into the summer. Uh, Caleb will be with us, I think, this Wednesday night. And so we're excited about him being with us and and helping Dustin out. Uh, But I want you to notice some of the things going on. Of course, it's already been mentioned about our picnic this afternoon. But uh, take note, if you're ladies, uh, this Tuesday night of the Ladies' Night Out dinner uh, at Top of the River, if you would like to go and be a part of that, it is still not too late uh, to sign up. There is a big crowd. Uh, You will have a good time, I know. So if uh, you would like to go to that, please sign up. Uh, on that. Also take note to the of the insert of all of our college graduates. We're very proud of them as well uh, as we have been of our high school graduates so uh, uh, Miss Debbie has done a great job uh, and thank you parents for inc- uh, letting us know about that so we can put that in there uh, This summer, as we've already mentioned, uh, we start off in June, Maywood Christian Camp so you young people, if you've not already signed up for that, uh, go online at maywoodchristiancamp.com and sign up for that. Of course, uh, be thinking and praying about not only camp, but also Vacation Bible School. What a great opportunity we have to reach those in our community through this great tool. So uh, we will need a lot of help, and also uh, we hope that you will invite your friends and neighbors. Uh, In addition to that, we're using that same theme of Water Through the Word uh, on our summer series. So on Wednesday nights, we'll be having guest speakers, and they'll be talking about various Uh, stories from scripture that deal with uh, water and so you will not want to miss those on Wednesday nights this summer. Uh, Miss Debbie has already put on the doors uh, and in the lobbies uh, that lineup and those particular topics. So take note of those and all the other things uh, and events that are going on in our church family. A lot of things going on, a lot of ways to uh, be involved uh, with the church family. I just want to share with you a scripture. You may be here today and you may be discouraged. You may be here today and and uh, either uh, you have changing times in your life or that of your child. And I know in, in some sense uh, all these graduations have been a little depressing to me. You know because I've already gone through one and I have a couple more to go through and uh i I love my kids, but you know as they get older it's it, it's kind of sad you you you've you've raised them to get to where they they need to be, and now they're going out on their own and uh you, you're having to change you're not um taking care of them as much anymore and so uh there's exciting times and sad times maybe it's you've lost a loved one and you're here today recently and, and you're discouraged uh we've been been studying in the book of Revelation, and several times in chapter 1, this is what the revelation of Jesus Christ says. Jesus speaking says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He who is And was, and who is to come, the Almighty. The reality is there are difficult things in this life. We can read all through Scripture and and, and there's disappointing times and there's things that discourage us. And this morning, if you're discouraged, I want you to know there's hope. But I want you to know there's not hope necessarily in coming to church. Yes, we can encourage one another and build each other up and share love for one another, but I want you to know that true hope is in Jesus Christ. Because He was, He is, and He is to come. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And no matter what happens in this life, in Jesus Christ... There is hope, and there is victory. So if you're discouraged today, I want you to remember that. Because I need to remember that from time to time. Uh, Today and over the next few weeks, I want us to think about family. And I want us to think about how we are no ordinary family. And today we're going to focus in Genesis chapter 2 and some in chapter 3 and also Ephesians chapter 5. But before we get to those, I want to share with you some things I found about marriage. I think you'll like them. One woman said to another at the office, Did you wake up grouchy today? No, I just let him sleep in. (laughs) Many girls marry men just like their fathers. Which may explain why many mothers cry at weddings. A Sunday school teacher was trying to demonstrate the difference between right and wrong. All right, children, she said, let's make an example. If I were to go into a man's pocket and take his wallet and all his money, what would I be? A child in the back answered, you'd be his wife. Two men were talking, one said to the other, I got this poodle for my wife. The other said, sure wish I could trade mine in for something like that. (laughs) There were two lines of husbands in heaven. One for the dominant husbands and one for the passive submissive husbands. The submissive husbands line extended almost out of sight. There was one man in the dominant husband line. He was small timid and appeared anything but a dominant husband. When the angel inquired as to why he was in this line, he said, my wife told me to stand here. (laughs) Though funny, though humorous, uh, the sad thing is that many people view marriage this way. You see, I'm afraid that in our culture, in our world, that a lot of people do not hold up the relationship of marriage as honorable like we read about in Scripture. But you know what? This is not the first time that that's happened. Jesus dealt with that very thing in Matthew chapter 19. And I want you to notice... What he said in Matthew chapter nineteen, verses four through six: Have you not read? They are these Pharisees, then bombarding, bombarding him with these questions, uh, particularly about divorcing your wife for any reason. And this is Jesus' response: Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said? For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. Isn't it interesting how so often we can get caught up in all the little details and all the little arguments and all the little things about what's going on and and who ought to be doing this and doing that, and when we go and see what Jesus' response is, Jesus' response says, yes, but let's go back to the model. Let's go back to the original we see later in Matthew chapter nineteen there that he says the reason that Moses allowed this is because of the hardness of your heart. You were seeking self, and Jesus says, "Back in the beginning, it was not so." What was he talking about? Genesis chapter two. It's Bill Red for us. And the Lord God created for man a helper suitable to Him. And Adam said in verse 23, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then uh, the, the writer here in Genesis, Moses says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 19. That's what Paul referred to in Ephesians chapter 5. You see, in the beginning, this is the way God set it up. This is the way, God says, this is the way that ideally it's supposed to go. If you want to follow an example, instead of of going to to ask certain questions and try uh, uh, try to put myself in a situation where I can do what I want to do, let's go back to the model. So what was it like in the beginning? In the beginning... The Bible says in verse 18 that God created a helper. Some versions say suitable to Him. Some versions say uh, comparable to Him. Some versions say help meet. God created a match. You see, what happened there in Genesis chapter 2? Well, God said, I want you to give names to all the woman, all the animals. And all the animals come by and, and the Bible says there wasn't anyone comparable or anything comparable to Adam. And so God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And He took that rib out of his side and He created someone compatible Comparable, suitable, a helper for Adam. And we have the first marriage. You see, there wasn't among all the animals anyone compared to Adam. And so he needed a wife, he needed a companion, he needed a helper. And God gave Adam this special gift of a comparable helper. And that's what we have in husbands and wives. You see, though these animals were not compatible to Adam, Eve was... You see, Eve can meet needs for Adam, and Adam can meet needs for Eve that no one else could. And so God created this helper comparable to Adam. Listen to what one person says. In this context, the Word seems to express the idea of an indispensable companion. The woman would supply what the man was lacking in the design of creation, and logically speaking, the man would supply what the woman Was lacking. Matthew Henry wrote this about this particular verse. She was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon him by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Warren Wearsby adds to that, Paul wrote that the woman is the glory of man. 1 Corinthians 11, you remember he says that? For if man is the head of the home, like Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, listen to this, then woman is the crown that honors the head. Let me say it again. If man is the head, like Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, then woman is the crown that honors the head. You see, how was it in the beginning? In the beginning, God created a helper, a a companion, someone comparable to Adam because there was none found until that time. And we have the first marriage also we find in the beginning in Genesis chapter 2 and also in Ephesians chapter 5 that marriage was created as an illustration of love. Turn your Bibles if you will to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. You see here's the illustration of love. The illustration is of an intimate relationship between Christ and the church. And Paul says this is the same kind of relationship between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. I always like to begin in verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. You see, when we we really... Look at Ephesians chapter five. Husbands, do you ever get angry at your wives? Be honest, we're in church. Wives, do you ever get angry at your husbands? Yeah. We do, don't we? And you know, I don't know about you, but when I get angry, very few times at Miss Credit because she's perfect. But when I get angry, you know, whether it's at Miss Greta or whether it's somewhere else, you know what I begin thinking. I begin thinking about me and what's caused me to be angry. And you see, just like James tells us, the hard thing to do is for Barry to look in the mirror and say, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then I remember. It's not about me. Why is that? Because Christ, we have the example of Christ's love for the church. You see, husbands, it's not about, see, woman, I told you the Bible says submit. It's not about women saying, see, man, I you gotta do this. You're the head, it's your decision. You need to take care of all this stuff. No, but it's a beautiful puzzle picture that comes together. And just like 1 Corinthians 12 when it's speaking about the church, when everyone does their part, you see when both husbands and wives submit to God through Jesus Christ, it's a beautiful picture. It's not about one and it's not about the other. It's a beautiful picture and it's no ordinary family because this is the way it was in the beginning. Christ loved the church and He loved the church so much That he gave himself for it. That he shed his blood so that he might wash and cleanse the church. That he might present that church, that bride, one day pure and without blemish in heaven. And that's the picture of husbands and wives to help each other to be better to help each other to stand on the day of judgment so that we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Did you notice in Genesis chapter 2, when God presented this helper comparable to Him, do you did you see what Adam said? Adam broke out in joyous praise, and he said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. The word joined there in Matthew chapter 19, and also Genesis chapter 2, and also Ephesians chapter 5 means to cling to adhere, to stick to, to cleave to, to hold fast or to keep fast. I have a friend that says he's told his wife several times, listen, I, it doesn't matter if you get mad at me, it doesn't matter what you do because we're sucked together. You cannot run me off. He's saying what, what the Bible says. We are joined Together, But I want you to notice back in Genesis chapter 2, we're talking about this wonderful, beautiful picture of this first marriage between a male and a female. And it was perfect. So what changed? What happened? Genesis chapter 3. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. What happened to this beautiful picture of this marriage between this man and this woman, Satan came on the scene. And from day one, he began causing problems. I mean, Adam and Eve, not even off the honeymoon. And Satan has entered the picture and began causing problems. He began causing them to think, well, wait, wait a minute. You you mean, I can do this? I can do that? Because now this is what God said, No, 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 no. God didn't really mean that. You see, God knows that when you do that, then you're going to be like God. You're going to know everything. You're going to know good and evil. And she began to think now about different things. And you know, Satan, he's still playing those same mind games. Did you notice something that that Eve said? You see, she was deceived. And when... When Satan asked about what God had really said, she says in verse 3, You shall not eat it. This is what God says. She said, Nor shall you touch it lest you die. Now whether that was implied or not, I'm not sure. But when God gave the command to Adam, this is what it said, And the Lord God commanded the man saying, So if we want to really get on somebody, guys, it's Adam. Adam. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And Eve just adds in there, Touch it and you will surely die. And Satan begins twisting things around as he so often does. Are you there, Satan? And he says, You better believe it. Are you still working in the same way, Satan? And he says, You better believe it. And the Bible tells us we are not ignorant of his devices. Yet we still struggle. It shows us just how good Satan is. And just how powerful his influence can be, even over those we love and care about and are close to us. And what happened? You remember the rest of the story? When God comes to them, and he finds out and he realizes something's not right they've eaten of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil and Adam says here it goes the blame game started well God it was Eve the woman who you gave me well Eve what about it well it was the serpent uh, the one who deceived me and they neither one accepted their own personal responsibility to God More to each other. So what happened? Satan entered the scene and he began working. And he's been hard at work and he's still hard at work today. So what is it we can do? Paul, I believe, tells us in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, first of all, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. The term submit means to arrange under it's a military term. To submit to one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice. You see, the submitting, the, the submitting to one's control begins with us submitting to Christ. And I can tell you, when I have problems, it's when I'm not submitting to Christ. We first submit to Christ and then to one another. Husbands, we are to exemplify that love toward our wives just as Christ did the church. Paul gave us the example of how to love in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul gave us the example of how to love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to share with you a few things that I came across that are powerful. Dr. James Dotson in his Focus on the Family Bulletin writes this, Do you and your spouse feed each other a steady diet of put-downs? If you do, your marriage could be headed for divorce court. When psychologists Cliff Notarius and Howard Markman studied newlyweds over the first decade of marriage, they discovered that couples who stayed together uttered five or fewer put-downs in every 100 comments to each other. But couples who inflicted twice as many verbal wounds, ten or more put-downs out of every 100 comments, later split up. Dr. Dobson writes, watch what you say. Little nitpicky comments are like a cancer in a marriage, slowly draining the life out of committed relationship. Another one says, a wise husband builds his mate's self-esteem, realizing that the subtle words and actions of a sinful world constantly Assault her sense of self-worth. He remains sensitive to her needs and is always ready to offer his support. Encourage your wife verbally and with actions. Words of cheer and praise are high-octane fuel that boosts your wife's emotional fuel tanks. Last week we stated, when we were talking about mothers... The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I've also heard the phrase, As goes the home, so goes the nation. And where does that start? It starts with husbands and wives. There was a couple who, they had begun, well, they all kind of had disagreements, but now their disagreements have become unusually more frequent. And so they sat down and they just started discussing what they were going to do. And so the wife had a good idea. She said, I'll tell you what, for one month let's put out two boxes. One for each of us called a fault box. And when, when there's a fault or there's something that irritates us, we will write that down and we will put that in the fault box and then at the end of the month we will read them, discuss and, and work on those things. And so the wife, she was diligent and she wrote down, left the jelly top off the jelly, put it in the fault box. Left wet towels on the shower floor, put it in the fault box. And she began on and on uh, of all the different things, didn't pick up your clothes, didn't do this, all the little things that irritated her and put them in that box. And so did the husband. And at the end of the month, after dinner that night, they exchanged boxes and they began to go over them. And diligently, the the husband, he read through them thinking of ways he could improve. And then the wife began pulling out hers. And everyone said, I love you. What a difference perspective makes you see that's the way it was meant to be in the beginning and if we want to have no ordinary family no ordinary home different from the world you see we have to go back to the beginning and realize it begins with submitting to God through Jesus Christ maybe you're here today and you haven't done that what better time what better place what better time than the present what better gift to your spouse what better gift to your family to say I want Jesus in my life I want to submit to Him and be buried with Him in baptism maybe you're here today and you're discouraged maybe you're here today and you're struggling in your relationship with your husband or your wife what better time And to say, I need to resubmit. I need to ask for your prayers. You see, let me tell you something. The reality is, I need to say that. I need to submit better. I need to submit first to God and then to my wife. Because God says that's the only way it's going to work. Maybe it is you're here today and you just have so many burdens on you. What better time than when people who love you with no ordinary family to say, I need your prayers. Will you help me? Will you pray with me? If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, come forward and let us assist you any way we can. As together, we stand and sing.